This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. In this winter semester, we'll be sending out a series of shurim on understanding minhagim, different minhagim of Rabbanim uh, in the last uh, couple of generations, be delivered by Harav Benjamin Tavoy. Today's shiur will deal with Birchat Hamazon. As usual, we will discuss some of the minhagim of the gedolim that preceded us, but we will also use the opportunity to explain various ideas about Birchat Hamazon. We'll begin with the Birchat Hazimun. There is a well-known custom that people stand when they say, Nevarich Elokeinu Shachan Mishalom. Assuming the reason would be that they considered a Davashib Gedusha, one might really ask, is this indeed a Davashib Gedusha? In Halichos Hagrach, it says that the, the Reb Chaim did not stand, as he did not consider it a Davashib Gedusha. In Nefesh HaRav of Rav Shechter, he mentions that the Rav felt that it, you need not stand, and Rav Shechter refers you to his own Sefer, Eretz HaTzvi, where he discussed this issue, he discussed the various customs of standing or not standing for Nevarech HaLokeinu Shachan Mishalau. Without using the explanation that's found in Eretz HaTzvi of Rav Shechter, and I would suggest anyone would, could look it up very easily in Eretz HaTzvi, there might be a simple explanation to explain the custom of Reb Chaim and the Rav. And this is based on something that I heard from the Rav, but to the best of my knowledge, I have not seen it in print as clearly as I seem to have re- seem to remember it. The Rav discussed once, what is the halachic definition of a Dava Shebekedusha? Normally, people will say a tautology that Davish Begdusha is something that requires a minion. And then if you ask them again what requires a minion, they'll answer um, a Davish Begdusha. But what is the definition of a Davish Begdusha? So the Rav, to the best of my recollection, explained that a Davish Begdusha involves the concept of invoking the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and having the people respond to it. Therefore, the classic examples of Dava Shebekdusha that we know are, for example, when we say, Nekadesh or Nakdishach, Keshem Shemakdishim also Mara. We ask, Lekadesh Hashem, Vishem, Keshem Shemakdishim also Mara. And the answer, of course, of the community would be, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakas, etc. Or, Baruchu Es Hashem HaMavorach. I'm asking people, to give the bracha to the Shema Mavarach, and the answer would be, Baruch Hashem Baruch Another example would be, of course, Kaddish, where I'm using the interpretation of Tosfus, that I'm saying Yiskadel, or Yiskadal, Yiskadash, Shmei Rabbah, the Shem HaGadol, and the answer would be, Yehi Shmei Rabbah Mavarach, Maya, which is a loose translation of the phrase, Baruch Shem Kvan Machusel, La'olam Vayed. Therefore, the very fact that a person mentions the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
specifically in this case, you say Elokeinu, does not make it a Davash Abigdusha. It's not the Shem Havaya. You're not, in, the, the idea that I said before, that when you invoke the name of HaKadosh Baruch when you answer it, is based, of course, in the Pasuk, Kishem Hashem Ekra, when I call the name of Havaya, then you're supposed to answer. But that doesn't apply at all to Birchas Hazimut. In fact, the Mishnah in, in Megillah that explains the, the various ideas for which you require ten people have definite a dichotomy in there between things that are Davash Bekdusha and things that need a community. It's not uh, customary, it's not Derech Heretz, it wouldn't, maybe it's not appropriate to do some things unless you have a group of people at Sibur. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a Davash Bekdusha. So that would seem, in my mind, to explain very easily the, the minig of Reb Chaim and the Rav that one need not stand up for saying the Varech HaLokeinu Shechal Actually, preceding Bichas Hazimon is the custom of Maimachronim. Now, many people are familiar with the idea that the Gemara says that Mayim Rishonim is a Rishus and Mayim Achronim is a Chova. And Mayim Achronim seems to be, in a certain sense, even more severe than Mayim Rishonim. And many people have explained that the reason for Mayim Achronim is because of Melech's Domus. They had this very sharp salt that, if touched, applied to your eyes, could actually cause an eye infection, might even lead to blindness. And therefore, to make sure that people did not have this melech's domis on their fingers, so the idea was to wash my machronim to take off the melech's domis. In which case, one might ask or debate the point, do we indeed have to wash my machronim today? Inasmuch as we no longer have my machronim, then this din of my machronim does not necessarily apply. In fact, there's a Tosfus that discusses this point and raises the issue that we do not have to wash my machronim because there's no melech stomis. The issue of a abrogating a din drabanan because the reason no longer applies is a very complex one in halacha. We know there are certain things that no longer apply and nevertheless, we keep those minhagim. And other cases we know, the if the reason no longer applies, we can abrogate this particular takana. If I remember correctly, in the beginning of Masechus Beitzah, there's a case, Joseph uh, mentions a case of Maimagulim. Um, water that was left overnight were allowed to drink, even though in the time of the Gemara or earlier times they were not allowed to drink it because they were afraid of snakes putting poison into the water that was left overnight. But today we have no longer have such a problem. And therefore, it also says we don't have to worry about my Megulim. So on the bottom of the rush over there, one of the commentaries, I think the Pilpala Kharifta, asks that why is it that some... Uh, minhagim can be ab- uh, abolished when the reason no longer applies and some s- still maintain. If I remember correctly, he uses the phrase, Bikashti Eshu Avonafshi. 
He's looking to find the rule. But in our case, whether we have the rule or not, you, one could argue whether this halacha would apply. Now, in the Maiser Rav of the Vilna Gong, it said not only did he wash my machronim, but he washed my machronim and made a bracha. Apparently, the Vilna Gong thought the idea of washing my machronim is not just based on Melach's domus. It is probably a din of preparing for Birchas Hamazon. The same way that a person should wash before the meal, he should wash after the meal. And the Vilna Gaon apparently understood the halachas that applied to Mayim Rishonim applied to Mayim Achronim as well. If that is true, then of course, the halach of Mayim Achronim would certainly apply the same today. Uh, whether we would uh, accept the custom of the Gra and make a bracha, I'm sorry, the, it, in the Maiserav, I should check, I don't, I might be wrong when I said that you made a bracha. It could be in the Maiserav, it didn't say he made a bracha. Let me just check. In the Maiserav, it just says, Ma'im achonim chova u'mitzvah. I'm sorry, it doesn't say that he made a bracha. In fact, one would have to discuss why you would not make a bracha. But I apologize for the mistake. But in the Maiserav number Pei Dalid, it just says that In the Alichas Agrach, and it's quoted in other places as well, they mention the custom of, of Reb Chaim that he said that one could wash my machronim after after the meal as well. If a person forgot to wash my machronim, he could wash my machronim after benching. Now, if the reason would be because of the idea of the Vilna Gaon, that the idea is to prepare for benching, before you bench, you should wash your hands as a preparation, it doesn't seem to make sense that if you forgot and did not wash my machonim, you should wash my afterwards. But if Reb Chaim understood that the reason for my machonim is only because of Melach's domis, and therefore it is appropriate to wash it off before benching, but in the event that a person forgot, it certainly would be proper to still wash your hands even after benching. So this apparently was the uh, assumption of Reb Chaim. So to summarize, why do we wash my machronim? According to the Vilna Gaon, my machronim is an obligation the same way as my mishonim. And it seems to be a din in preparing for benching. Whereas another person could explain that the idea of my machronim is only because of Melach's Domis, in which case we'd have to discuss in our time, in our days, whether you, a person indeed has to wash Let's discuss now the actual text of Birchas Hamazon. The first section of Birchas Hamazon, and of course Birchas Hamazon is Daraisa, the first part of the text, we have a tradition in the Gemara that was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. When Bnei Israel were in Chutzaretz, he instituted the Bnei Israel in Chutzaretz, say, the first bracha, Hazanas HaKol. That bracha only refers to food. It doesn't refer to Eretz Yisrael at all. According to the understanding that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it for Bnei Yisrael in the Midbar, it makes sense. 
not to mention Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael was not applicable at that time. Bnei Yisrael had never been in Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, that bracha only refers to the man. The bracha seems to be a complete birchas hashavach. I just praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for sustaining Am Yisrael, for sustaining the entire world. One of the customs that I want to mention is the line before the end. We say, However, the minig of Chabad, the minig of many, many people, is to include the pasuk of Paseach Ka'amur Paseach Asiyadecha Umazbiyah Lechol Chayratzon. Now that pasuk seems to be a great anomaly to put into this bracha. If we say that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the bracha, and we summarize with a pasuk said by David HaMelech, Some people say that that's the reason it says Ka'amur. It doesn't say Ka'katuf. Ka'amur, it was a phrase that people knew beforehand. We're not just quoting the pasuk and Tilim. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu actually did write that pasuk and Tilim, but even if David HaMelech wrote it, it could be a phrase that was known, Ka'amur Paseach Hesyadecha, and Ka'amur, not Ka'katuf. And therefore, it might not be that great an anomaly to mention the Pasuk, However, another issue is raised. We have discussed before, in various circumstances, how we try to have the Bracha, Me'ena Chasima. The Chasima is Me'ena Bracha. We, the last phrase that we say before the Bracha is directly connected to the Bracha. For example, we discussed um, in Shmona Esrei for the Yerushalayim Yechab Brachim Tashu V'sishkan B'socha Kashedi Barta. So the minig of Chabad, the minig that the Rav said was V'chisei David Avducha Meir L'socha Tachin Uvnei Osa B'karol B'yameinu B'nyan Olam Baruch Hashem B'nei Yerushalayim. They reversed the order of the Psukim as printed in standard Ashkenazi Sidurim, in order to have the words adjacent to Bonei Rishalayim. So here, the end of the first bracha seems to be That's very appropriate, the chasima and the bracha. However, including the Pasuk, seems to be not in accordance with the concept of Me'ena Chasima. So this Minig seems to be a little unusual. The, in the Sefer Tzlosa Davram, they try to give an explanation for it, but it is interesting to note that the Rambam's text in Birchas Hamazon is a little unusual. When we have the Siddur of the Rambam, which is printed in the back of the Rambam, Seder Ava, in the Sefer Ava, at the very end, there's a, there's a section of Seder Atfilas. So in this bracha, the Rambam says there are minor changes besides what I'm saying, but I'm just referring to the end. It says, Kihu Zanafanes Lakol, Ka'amur Pasech Yadecha, Umazbiya Luchol Chayratzon, Umechin Mazon Luchol Biyosev Shabara. So the Rambam does have the Pasuk, 
But he has a phrase after the Pasuk, which is more in keeping with the Chasimah Meina Bracha. So apparently the idea of saying the Pasuk was already found in the Rambam without the Kakatuv, but like as the Hasidim, as Nusachari says, Ka'amur, Paseach but they add afterwards a, a, a phrase to include Me'en HaChasimah. In the second bracha of Birchas Hamazon, we have a tradition that this was written by Yoshua when he came with the Eretz Yisrael. The bracha of the first bracha written by Moshe in the Midbar, the second bracha is already in Eretz Yisrael, made up by Yoshua. One of the interesting points is that the language completely changes. In the first bracha, the bracha of Moshe Rabbeinu, we speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu in third person. Hu etc. In the second bracha, we immediately turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu directly. etc. And this switch, which we've noted, occurs in many, many brachos, many places in Tanakh as well, but always is an interesting idea to try to suggest the reason for the change in terminology. Why is it that in the first bracha we speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the second bracha we speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? There was a, there is a rabbi professor, Nachum Brodznik, Brodznik, who lived in the Bronx, then moved to Eretz Israel, wrote a very interesting series of articles about Birchas Hamazon in Ara Mizrach, appeared many years ago. There's a wealth of information there about Birchas Hamazon in general. He raised this question and he suggested, in the name of others, as well as what he suggested himself, a number of reasons for this change. I'd like to just remind ourselves of two of them. One, that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the first bracha for Bnei Yisrael in Chutzaretz. Yoshua wrote the second bracha for Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. The presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is imminently felt only in Eretz Yisrael. The Eretz, Asher Hashem Lokecha Doe Shosa, Tamid Enei Hashem Lokecha Ba Mereshis Hashana Vadachishana. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has his, is focused on Eretz Yisrael. And somehow, there's a more direct connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. Specifically referring to the world of Parnassah, we say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Parnassah and Eretz Yisrael directly. So when we speak about er, in Eretz Yisrael, we can speak directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In, in Chutzar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is more of a hidden, a nister. And therefore, we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A second explanation would be that the first bracha is praised to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shevach. The second bracha, Nodeh, is Hoda, is thank you. It is more appropriate to say thank you than to say thank him. When I talk about the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I talk about the holy other, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is far removed, but I can talk about how great he is. But when I thank him, then I feel his imminent presence, that he did something for me, 
and therefore I should thank him, and I should use the direct language of Nodelcha. The next bracha, the third bracha of Shmon Ezrei, was written, according to the Gemara, according to tradition, by David and Shlomo, when they built, came to Yerushalayim and built the Beis HaMikdash. That bracha could not be have written by Yoshua, because there's no Beis HaMikdash. There's no Malchus Beis David. And the third bracha includes in it the idea of Binyan Beis HaMikdash, Binyan Yerushalayim, and Malchus Beis David. We mentioned in one of the shiurim about about Shemona Esrei that there is a special bracha in Shemona Esrei about Malchus Beis David and a special bracha about Binyan Yerushalayim and Binyan Yerushalayim has in it also the brach, this phrase of Malchus Beis David depending upon how you say it or as I said before switching it around but you mentioned Malchus Beis David Malchus Beis David is part of Binyan Yerushalayim now the idea of having these three brachas according to Tosfus is Doraisa there's a Din Doraisa that you have these three brachas and where do you get it from? It all has to be somehow included in the Pasuk, So we can talk about the Achalta we can talk about Haaretz, and perhaps we can even talk about Yerushalayim by saying Haaretz HaTova. Haaretz Yisrael is incomplete without Yerushalayim. It seems though that if Malchus based David is a Kedizia sign of Quenan, for Birchas Hamazon, it's actually part of the Bracha of David and Shlomo, and it's Doraisa, then it seems to be part of Haaretz HaTova. Haaretz HaTova is referring to Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim is not Yerushalayim without Malchus Beis David. And therefore, the Gemara might say, Kol Shalom HaMalchus Beis David. If you didn't say this in Berchaz HaMazon, you did not really fulfill the obligation. In this this part of Berchaz HaMazon, there are two comments of the Vilna Gaon that I would like to mention. The first one, is actually not the Vilna Gaon, the next two will be the Vilna Gaon, but in the words that we say, that we turn to HaGadosh Baruch Hu, and we say, Yadcha HaMaleya HaPsucha HaKadosha Varachava. Those words, translated, would be, we go to HaGadosh Baruch Hu, we want to look for HaGadosh Baruch Hu's full, open, holy hand. Malaya Yadchavnea Psucha Kadosha. Now the word Kadosha doesn't seem to fit in here. Kadosha is referring to a spiritual concept, whereas Malaya and Psucha are obviously physical dimensions. Kivayacha Akadashbarh was an open hand, a full hand. Why would Kadusha be here at all? In the Nefesharav of Rav Shachter, it says that the Rav did not say the text as I said it before, but he said, Malaya Psucha Ugedusha, Gimel Dalit Vav Shinhei. Kedusha is Gadush. Gadush means very full. We use the expression Hebrew, Malay Vagadush, jam packed. So the, it doesn't explain necessarily why the Rav said it, but the idea makes a lot of sense. 
Interestingly enough, I wanted to find, are there earlier sources that have such a text for Malaya Psucha Vikudusha? I have not done a scholarly work to check original sources, but I looked in the Sefer Tzlosa Davram, and he quotes there the text of Gedusha, and he attributes it to the Baal Shem Tov. So I found it very interesting. I do not know at all whether the tradition of the Rav stems from a brisker tradition, where it comes from, but it, the Tzlosa Davram says the source that he knows is from the Baal Shem Tov. Interesting to note how the Rav adopted a certain minig, either he knew about or didn't know about it, that is somehow attributed to the Baal Shem Tov. The next point of this bracha that I wanted to mention in connection with the with the uh, Vilna Gaon is the text Uvnei Yerushalayim Yerakadosh Mehevimenu Baruch Ata Hashem we say, Now, in the Maiseraf, it says, and this I think today is very well known, that the Gras said, In Maiseraf of, in the section of Birchas Hamazon, it has the phrase, Number Peizayin, Siyum Berachashlishit, Now, when I was young, I heard two reasons for this. The classic reason that I heard is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu will build Yerushalayim, but not Berachamim. The pasuk in Yeshayahu says, Siyon b'Mishpatipada. Siyon will be redeemed through Mishpat, not Berachamim. So to say Bonei Berachamav is incorrect. I've already asked people, but we do have psukim that talk about building Yerushalayim, returning to Yerushalayim, and we use the word Rachamim. For example, I said before, in Shman Esri, we say, Yerushalayim Ircha, Berachamim Tashuf. Could you really dis- distinguish between Bonei Yerushalayim and Tashuf Yerushalayim? And we have other psukim in Tanakh that mention the word Rachamim in connection with Yerushalayim. Maybe Bonei Yerushalayim is different. But I heard another interpretation once that the reason you could, that it might be proper to leave out the word Barachamav is because Bonei Yerushalayim is not used here as a verb, but it's actually a predicate adjective, a description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's one of Kivayachal, a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Bonei Yerushalayim. Like we say, Bonei Yerushalayim Hashem, Nitchei Yisrael Chanes. Bonei Yerushalayim is Kaddish Baruch Hu, not used as a verb, but Kaddish Baruch Hu is Bonei Yerushalayim. So therefore, the phrase should be Bonei Yerushalayim. This interpretation is not the one that's commonly accepted for to explain the Gon's custom. However, there is a third custom. The general custom is to say Bonei V'rachamai V'rishalayim. The Vilna Gaon's custom is to say Bonei V'rishalayim. But there's another custom that's found in the city of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. And he says, Baruch Atah Hashem Bonei V'rishalayim Now, 
according to the interpretation, Sion B'mishpat Ipadeh, I wouldn't understand this phrase, Bonei Yishem Berachemim. It's not Berachemim, it's B'mishpat. But if you hold that Yerushalayim, Bonei Yishem is, is actually a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then I would understand. I'm not arguing whether Yerushalayim is built Berachemim or not. I'm just saying you should not break the phrase Bonei Yishem into two. You shouldn't insert a word in between Bonei Yishem. But the word Berachemim can be said afterwards. So it seems to me this is the interpretation of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. There is a commentary in the Siddur of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. There are a few Siddur of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. The one that's in my personal library has an interpretation in the bottom, and I look to see what it said, and he just says, He said, this is the preferred text. And therefore, uh, it seems to me that he didn't explain it, but perhaps what I suggested might be true. In the Rambam's text is Bone Berachamov Es Yerushalayim. The Rambam, by the way, did not put in an Amen, but that doesn't prove that he didn't say that it's the end of Brachas. Now, when we said this is the third Brach of Shman Esrei, this is the, the Arisa part, we generally know there are three brachas in Shmanet. In, I'm sorry, Birchas Hamaz, and there are three brachas. But now we begin the fourth bracha. The fourth bracha begins with Baruch. Although Noda and Rachem do not start with Baruch, that's because there are brachas, Muchel Chaverta, there are bracha adjacent to another. This bracha, Uvnei Yushalayim, Tova Meitiv, does start with a bracha, and it starts with the brachas to show that there's a break between the first three and the next. And the general understanding is the first three are Daraisa, the fourth bracha is Drabanan. So we're starting, as it were, a new section of brachas, a, a section Drabanan. And this was made up, according to the Gemara, because of Haruge Beitar. We say here, Harachmans. Until Atova Meitiv, until Laola Maichasvenu, that part is part of the bracha made up for Haruge Beitar. Vilnagon, pointed out that you're supposed to say Amen after Al Yechasveinu. There's a whole story in the one of the Svarim about the Vilna Gaon, about this person who came to the Vilna Gaon for a visit and got very excited. He came home. And they asked him, what are you so excited about? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And later on when they benched, he screamed Amen after Al Yechasveinu. He never had thought before that you're supposed to say Amen. But the Vilna Gaon said to say Amen Al Yechasveinu to show that's the end of the Durabanan part so he was very excited that he learned a new minic. The Gra in, apparently did not say the rest of Harachamans. Now, when I was young, I heard that the Vilna Gaon did not say Harachamans, and I heard the reason for it was that he felt, since the first three brachas of Daraisa, and the fourth, fourth part of Birchas Hamazon is only Drabanan, and that's over by Yechasreinu, so the next part isn't even Drabanan, it's less than a Drabanan since the Vilna Gaon did not waste any time at all. He learned Torah so many hours a day that it's hard to find minutes a day that the Grud did not learn. Apparently he felt it would be more important to go back to his learning than to say the Rachmans. This is what I heard when I was a child, and I've said this in various shiurim. There is a tradition that's printed in many Sfarim that the Gaon left out the Rachmans because, on Shabbos. 
And he said it's not appropriate to ask for all these brachas on Shabbos. On Shabbos we don't ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for anything. So, I've said this in Shurim, and somebody once wrote me and said, what is the source of, what is my source that the Gra did not say Arachmans even on weekdays? On Shabbos, we know the sources. Where's the source? And to my surprise, I couldn't find it. I know that I heard it when I was young, and I couldn't find the source at all. So I asked some of my friends, I remember asking Rav Bick if he would know where the source for this particular idea is. And his answer was, oh, everybody knows that that's what the Vilna Gaon said. So I can't find now the source. Perhaps someone will find it and send it to me. But it's definitely uh, found in sources that the Gaon left out the Rachamans on Shabbos. I have a tradition that he left it out on weekdays as well. I used to point out to Talmidim that anyone who wants to leave out the Rachamans because he says he follows the custom of the Grah, should remember that the Grah did it because he learned so much of the time that he felt it was not worth saying the Rachamans and not learning. That does not apply to normal people today who waste so much time anyway that the Rachmans, which are printed in standard Sadurim, do not seem to be less appropriate than whatever they do afterwards.